Hi, I'm Jamie. And I'm Beth. Welcome to Thieves Steals the Podcast. Where I steal the podcast. And I steal it back. Okie dokies. Today we are talking about the 13th episode of the fourth season, The Experimental Job. Yes, we know it's not really the... I worked out that our streaming platform had it in the wrong order, but this is the order we're doing it in. So Beth, what did you think of this episode? I'm still processing it, if I'm going to be totally honest. We stopped watching it less than a minute ago. <laughs> I'm yeah. still... We did, in fact, do a live reaction, so any good reactions that I got from Beth will go here unless we have a more fitting place in the rest of the episode to put them, but I'll whack them here if I've got them. Okay, is he imagining it? Is it a PTSD moment? Oh, it totally is. This is supernatural. <laughs> Sorry. This is supernatural core. <laughs> I mean, I did tell you. <laughs> Zachary is the spotlight. I'm so... <laughs> Sorry. I shouldn't laugh. No. I shouldn't laugh. It's actually, whoa, this is interesting. How did he end up in here? What weird billionaire was keeping him trapped? Is he going to have a heart attack? Oh my god, this is just like fucking um, False and Prison Blues. <laughs> Not anymore? They're wearing pins. They're part of a cult. Oh my god, it's just like in the bad place. I mean, the good place where they have the bad place pins. Little thumb downs. Why is he giving mob boss energy, but he looks like a... He looks like knockoff Ned Fulmer. Shut up, Nate. Let him brag. Sophia's giving like, okay, but what if I just called Taylor up? <laughs> oh, I hate him so much. Helicopter. Oh, is this going to be that fucker that um, Nate talks to? And he like threw his drink on the lawn and he was like, ah, I work with you. Not Nate pulling in Elliot. And why did they shake hands twice? Also, there being seven different Wumpa Wumpas is giving everything. It's the natural extension of, you know, it's a very distinctive. I know. And then Nate being like, oh, CAA, I know the type. And I was like, oh, are they very distinctive? Are they, Nate? <laughs> They're sending Hardison to school. They're oh, my God. They're sending Hardison to college. That's so funny. I need everyone to know that I said that before I saw him carrying the books. Mm-hmm. This outfit Just is the a- shot of the college. This outfit is a fucking look, though. Ew, mm. don't drink the raw eggs. Ew. Oh, God. Oh. I hate that. Oh, my God. Professor Nate. <laughs> His tie is wrong. <laughs> Bow ties are cool. Oh, no, no. The bow tie is fine, but it's unevenly pulled, and that upsets me. So it's Nate that's the issue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Freshmore. <laughs> it's me! I've made that joke so many times, and you don't even, you didn't even understand. No. I love that they're all clapping as if any of them fucking, they were all eating up whatever fucking yeah. Nate was saying. He parked in a disability spot. Mm-hmm. And you get the really nice prominent sign right behind them. Okay, I'll give him props for putting hot chicks and cool guys in there. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I, I appreciate that addition. But who introduces themselves? Like, I'm super rich. <laughs> oh my god, Brunette Parker, this is new. She's giving Velma from Scooby-Doo. Mm-hmm. Okay. You can't, you can't just give her x-ray vision. She's watching the way the elbow moves. Sure. Oh, <laughs> they're so cute. Oh, I am into everything that is happening on my screen right now. Oh, this is bad for Elliot. Like, it's bad generally, mm-hmm. but... I love Elliot. Mm-hmm. Um, at no point did they say anything about tasers. Plot twist. Elliot's going to break that other dude. I can't decide if I think it's better or worse if they figure out who Elliot is. Oh, Parker. <laughs> Shit, that's bad. Interesting that the CIA... Oh, that's never a good idea, kids. How does Hardison always get kidnapped? Is this plan M? Oh, she was waving a white flag. Maybe it says something about me, but I love this episode. <laughs> oh, I hate how casually he's holding that gun. 
a cab, but she's cool. Oh, oh my God. Has Elliot been teaching Hardison? Because I'm in love with that. Mm-hmm. He's been teaching everyone else, so. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. You've got to assume. Oh, oh God. Please stop hating him. I- yes, Parker with the chair! Yes, Parker with the chair! Oh, I wish it was steel. That would have just been so funny. Unnecessary flashback. This is very clearly where they were going to go with this from the moment we saw this scene from Nate. Interesting that he didn't know Sophie was working like with Elliot, but like because mm. that file was about Elliot and yeah. it was the known associates, and he saw Hardison, and then what just stopped reading. Is it that or Sophie's Parker. so good that yeah, but she it's didn't still her face? Oh, okay, that didn't yeah. feature in there. Did they drug him? God, I'm good. <laughs> I still think they probably shouldn't drug people. Mm-hmm. This dude's a dickhead though, so I'm figuring. Oh, him look. <laughs> I, that doesn't really play into the ethics of the drugging people. So that was what we thought, you know, on first viewing. I This is an episode that I've been very excited for you to see for a, a while. I know. I understand why. Um, it is an episode that is an Elliot episode, full stop. Yes. Da, 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 da. This is also one that, do you remember when we were talking about the carnival job and we were looking at what other episodes those writers wrote? really pretty sure this was one of them like one of the co-writers on that episode was also a co-writer on this one okay do you know what is so fascinating about that is because i was literally just about to say that this episode is what i would expect from an elliot episode Mm -hmm. like the carnival job to me was forgettable it kind of i feel like kind of didn't really touch on any points in any meaningful way Mm -hmm. this episode was written by m scott veach who is one of the co-writers on the carnival job, which is why I said it was fascinating at the time when I found out that he did both episodes because they're both Elliot episodes, but in vastly different ways. Yeah. And I much preferred this episode. Mm -hmm. This episode gave us so much. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't even really know. Like I said, I'm still processing. You're still processing. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm very excited to talk about it, but I'm going to put like a blanket statement, apologies in advance if I'm a little incoherent, because normally I have like, you know... Some time to stew over it, Yeah, but we're on a least, time schedule today. Usually I have at least like 30 minutes, mm-hmm. and today I had about 30 seconds, so we'll see how that goes. One thing that I do think we can probably jump into that's a little bit easier to talk about, um, how cute Parker and Hardison are in this episode. Yeah. They're out here being adorable. I love the scene where it's like Hardison's like, no, but I've like, I can't just be a stereotype. Like I have to be me, but cooler. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like I can't just do the normal thing that I do. Like, you know, normally when I go undercover, I play stereotypes. So I don't really have to like reveal anything about myself. Like I don't have to be cool because I'm just, you know, pretending to be someone completely different. I'm relying mm-hmm. on people's inbuilt biases to be able to pull it off. And I do love that he called himself out for that because that's something that we've been talking about Mm -hmm. since like season one. And it's something that you very explicitly said, which was like, no, he plays into stereotypes. That's how he runs his like in-person cons. And I was kind of like, okay, yeah, sure. Like I can see that. Mm -hmm. But it's really interesting to see it actually being explicitly put into the text dialogue. Yeah. Like me saying, yeah, me saying he runs like on stereotypes is not me being mean to Hardison at all. Like he physically describes it himself as. It's actually his tactic. Yeah. He relies on people having, you know, this is what a person of this sort of type and shape and size is meant to be like. So therefore, if I do that, then I'm going to get away with. You're playing into preconceived yeah. ideas, which is, you know, why there's a problem with stereotyping in the first mm-hmm. place. But 
in this instance, given what he's trying to achieve, it does work to his advantage. It's like using a cheat code to grifting. Yeah, yeah. What I loved was that he, as one of the examples of stereotypes that he gave, he said British people and then followed it up immediately with no effect, which was so funny. Also, I just as a blanket, I want to point out here that Hardison and Parker looked incredible. They Mm -hmm. were serving in that scene. Like, they looked like they had showed up to that scene in Pretty Woman where they're at the polo. Mm -hmm. Like, that was the energy that I was getting. They looked so good. Like, everything about, like, those looks are just iconic. Mm -hmm. And I also love the fact that, you know, Parker gives this whole impassioned speech about how Hardison's so cool and, like, you did the thing with the magical thing and the shiny thing and the thing and thing. and That was so cool. How many other people can do that? And Hardison's like, yeah, no, that worked. And Sophie's like, what the fuck do you mean? I No, here's the thing that I love that she's like, I can't believe that worked. And he's like, no, no, it didn't work. But the fact that she thought it would, yeah. that worked. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, you guys are too fucking pure. I loved it. And like the mm-hmm. moment when Parker was talking about like the pretend friends and like I get yeah. the joke, but I'm also like internet friends count. Yeah, I, like, I watched that scene. I'm like, that's us with this the entire pod squad. Like, literally. <laughs> but it's so funny her talking about the video games. And then when she comes back and she's doing this whole, like, you know, routine. And then she's like, suddenly I'm a slut. I, so funny. And then her the full makeout that she does, you can yeah. see the exact moment where Hardison becomes into it. Yeah. Like, you can see it occur. <laughs> First, it's shock. Mm-hmm. First of all, he's like, what is happening? And, like, when she kisses him on the cheek, like, he, like, it's it becomes, like, because that's not, it's part of the con, but it's yeah. also not part of the con. And as I said, so fake dating partisan is a real thing that just crops up occasionally. Oh, it's my I favorite. I count this as an example of fake dating partisan because, yes, they are dating, mm-hmm. but that's not, like, this is, this, this is, is for pretending. the con. Yeah. yeah. This is not actually what Parker is like at all. No. This is her... Fake dating Hardison for the con. This is her her fake dating Hardison persona. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. This like these these characters are the same people they are in the top hat job when they go to the magician's show, yeah. or even in the fairy godparents job where they're like looking at the apartment. Yes. Oh my god, she loves air. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Same characters. You know what I mean? Like, I just I I love them so much in this episode. I love the fact that. Canonically, Park has now written a 10-page paper on the history of cross-stitch in America. I, one, cannot believe that that would be relevant Mm. to any class, (laughs) just about. Like, particularly not the type of class that Hardison Mm. would enroll in. Like, I I am sure that it is a thing that can be studied, but I just don't feel like it's particularly relevant to much in, like, say, info technology, Mm. you know? But... What I do think is interesting is that, number one, that he asked her to do it at all. Yeah, weird. That seems mm-hmm. whack. But also the fact that she did it mm-hmm. is so It's weird, fucking... but it's a fun little addition, so I forgive so it. Yeah, I forgive it just because I, I th- it serves a plot point. Yeah. Like, they wanted to create a bit of tension because, mm-hmm. like, obviously this is a high-stakes situation, so there's already tension sort of built in, but then you also have, like, they're forcibly being kept apart and mm-hmm. Hardison is like having to pretend to be this kind of caricature like he's still Mm. playing a caricature yeah but it's just a caricature Caricature closer to himself Mm. which i also think is part of the problem and 
the fucking bit though where he calls Parker because he realizes that like Mm -hmm. he fucked up and he's like I just want to talk you know and then obviously he can't answer the phone because he's busy getting kidnapped which why does this always happen to my boy he gets kidnapped like the ratio of kidnappings is so there's a reason it's Hardison who dies in plan M literally I'm like why is this so skewed towards Hardison being kidnapped no else gets kidnapped this way it's ridiculous that's because no one else is doing the things that hardison be doing i I think this is the first time that the hardison's not the reason he got kidnapped like (laughs) normally normally he kind of does it to himself this time it's actually because elliot is too good at being interrogated Like, no no joke, Elliot is fully freaking out the interrogator. Like, oh, God, yes. That interrogator is, like, panicking internally. Literally, I was like, plot twist, Elliot is going to break the interrogator. And then he And then you were did. correct. Yeah, like, literally not even... You said it, and I was, like, sitting there, like, watch, like, another ten minutes, babes. Like, to be fair, this episode was, again... Like, you know how I was saying the boys' night out job I found very satisfying to watch? Because as an audience member, it was abundantly clear what was about to happen about two seconds before Mm -hmm. it actually happened this episode felt very the same to me and i again really enjoyed it because as an audience member i find it very satisfying to be like oh i see what they were building to and then you get the satisfaction of watching it happen like that is a way that i particularly enjoy to get reveals Mm -hmm. and this episode felt like that again like as soon as it was introduced i was like oh i see exactly where they're going with this Mm -hmm. like you know, as soon as they introduced that sort of dynamic between Elliot and the interrogator, I was like, Elliot's going to fucking eat this man for breakfast. Like, I, I knew. Yeah. And it makes it very satisfying when you are vindicated in that. Yeah. But one thing I very quickly want to touch on with Parker and Hardison that I just was not expecting but felt so cute is when Parker shows up and she finds out that Hardison has been kidnapped. Mm-hmm. But right before she walks in, she literally waves a white flag. Like, that is so fucking just, I can't. Like, she's literally waving a white flag. Like, I just, that for some reason really hit me. Because it's just so perfect for them. Like, it's like a very literal thing. Normally you'd use it as a metaphor, but like, that's not how... Parker thinks. So she's literally waving a white flag. And if Hardison had been there, obviously he would have understood the implication. Like they would Mm -hmm. have had a conversation. They would have worked it through. And then obviously she finds he's been kidnapped. And so it's just, I love it. I love it. Also, he took out his bud, which meant something terrible was going to happen. We know this. Which is such a cue now. It's it's shorthand for someone's about to get seriously injured or kidnapped. Yeah. (laughs) And so if if it's Elliot who takes it out, it's normally Nate who's going to be immediately in grave danger. Mm. If it's Hardison, then it's always Hardison who's in grave danger. That's just how it works. Yeah. Oh, also, Parker sneaking in and giving all of the participants jackets, Mm -hmm. I thought was very fucking cute. And I didn't actually pick up that they were doing it for a con reason. Mm -hmm. I thought they were just like, wow, these guys are literally being tortured. We should help them. It does do the very, like... I rewatched it and I'm like, oh, it's doing that supernatural thing that you pointed out in whatever episode of Supernatural it was, where it's like juxtaposing. Yeah. And it's like, you know, the gorgeous garden party and like all the like rich, wealthy white people are laughing and, mm-hmm. you know, Hardison's having a great time here. And then it immediately cuts to like the homeless shelter and yeah. like the terrible conditions and just how badly these people are being treated. Mm-hmm. And then it cuts yeah. back and forwards and backwards and forwards. and Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And 
I can't decide where I want to go. Do we want to go into the Elliot of it all or do we want to go into the ethics of it all? It's up to you. Where do you feel prepared to go? I don't know if I'm prepared for any of it if I'm being totally Maybe we start with ethics first then because I think that's an easier subject to be prepared for. Okay. And then we move into the Elliot of it all so you have a bit more time to formulate your thoughts about Elliot. Sure. Okay, first note off the top. Mm -hmm. What's the guy's name that they arrest? I've already forgotten his name. Zilgrim. Zilgrim. Zilgrim, hear me out, the Brady equivalent. Yeah. Like... 100%. I even made the same joke about the Ned Former knockoff. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> he's, he's the same. Mm-hmm. Like, and also, the stupid little badge he's wearing the whole time. Like, I know it's got a little skull on it, but mm-hmm. because it's from a distance, it really kept reminding me of that little... Fu- um, that little power-up you can get in, like, Super Mario. The flower with the fire that you throw. Like, that's what it looks like. And I was like, what a weird design. But then you get a close-up and it's like, oh, it's a skull. And it's just like, the light makes it look different. Yeah. But also, I was like, you, you're you flaunting that weirdly confidently, considering mm-hmm. this is supposed to be a secret society. <laughs> we get them all. And they're all sinister and shadowy. And, and horrible. Horrible and all the things you're meant to be. I have a psychology degree. So... This episode specifically is very relevant to a lot of my education because I actually did a lot of courses on study design and Mm -hmm. ethics requirements for psychology, like for psychology experiments. And while I don't have a psychology degree, I am close to getting my science degree, which means I've also done a lot of topics regarding experimentation and ethics and participants and rights of those participants. And the thing that I will say just right up the top of it is... In a psychological experiment, you cannot threaten to not pay someone for not completing the experiment. No, because that becomes coercion. Because that becomes coercion. as Like, you, they always have the right of walkway. And if you say, okay, if you say, take my survey, I'll give you $20. Mm-hmm. If they show up to take the survey and they only do three quarters of it and then they decide, I'm uncomfortable, I want to leave they are still legally entitled and ethically entitled to that $20. Mm-hmm. There's actually a very common sleep study, actually. So it's, mm-hmm. you know, sort of a perfect example that often gets advertised at uni, uh, or at least where I study. And they will often say, like, you know, the total study spans over 11 days of, I think I think it's 11 days, of, like, restricted sleep. Mm-hmm. And it's very clear in the advertisement or in the advertisement exactly how restricted that sleep is mm-hmm. and what other things are entailed. I think often it'll include like a blood test on every day to sort of like check levels mm-hmm. and bits and pieces. But also they're very clear about the fact that like if you stay the whole study, you'll be financially compensated up to X, Y, Z amount of money. But if you don't stay the whole time, like you will still be compensated up yeah. to and including the day at which mm-hmm. you decide to leave the study, which means even if you're only there for two days of the eleven. You will be compensated for those two days. Yes. You cannot say well, if you someone. quit early, you're getting nothing. Yes, that is absolutely, that becomes unethical. Mm-hmm. And also, I want to talk about the fact that the design of the experiment itself, like telling your participants that you will be researching one thing, mm-hmm. but actually researching another thing is very, very common, specifically for psychology especially, mm-hmm. because if you tell someone what outcome you are looking to investigate, it can sway the results because the participants, and this is so silly, but like will want you to get the results you want. So they may sway their answers. They may sway their behavior. But the thing about it is if you have done this at the end of the experiment, you are required to have a debrief. And during the debrief, 
the participants must be told the true nature of the experiment. Mm -hmm. And like an example of this is there was an experiment that was conducted where participants were told that they were going to be brought into um, a room uh, one at a time. And in that room, they were going to conduct like a lie detector test or something like they were going to do stuff individually, Mm -hmm. basically. But before they were going to go into that test, they were all waiting in the same waiting area and they could do whatever they wanted in the waiting area. They were just waiting to go in for their test. What they didn't know was that they were never going to be called into the other room. Mm-hmm. They slowly, the experimenters, slowly filled the room that the participants were waiting in with a non-toxic smoke. Mm-hmm. And basically what they were actually testing was how long it would take someone to raise the alarm. And so, like, it's an important note. I'm fairly certain that something like 80% of the people in that room were paid actors who knew exactly what was going on. So mm-hmm. they were being paid to not... React. react at all yeah, yeah. and so you they knew exactly what was happening they were they were aware and so mm-hmm. you were they were only testing like the two or three participants who did not know what was happening to see at what point they would raise the alarm especially considering no one else around them was reacting but at the end of that experiment they had to be debriefed and they had to be explained what the actual experiment was, and they had to be offered counselling because they had been put in a situation where they were under the impression that they could be in the middle of a building fire. And that can cause psychological distress. So there's so many considerations that have to go into these things. And, like, this this episode was giving Stanford Prison Experiment, which if you don't know what that is... Which is interesting because one of the examples of an experiment we get in this episode is actually when Parker gets the tape. So that is an example of the Milgram experiment, mm. which is actually exactly yes. the concept that you were just saying. The participants are told, we are testing this. We are testing to see what impact, like exactly like she lays out to Parker, we're testing to see the impact of negative reinforcement on learning. Mm-hmm. The participant doesn't realize what they're actually testing is how willing are you to follow and be Orders. obedient to authority figures yes in this even at the expense or to the pain of another human being mm-hmm. who you can see in the next room getting zapped the participant doesn't realize the person in the next room getting zapped is not is being zapped actor yeah not getting zapped yeah which is exactly what we see here mm-hmm. and so this is actually a experiment when she walked into that i was like oh i immediately recognize this mm-hmm. again just from like rudimentary high school psychology mm-hmm. yeah and i think that that one was specifically like in the experiment, at least the version that I remember, was that like basically every time the participant got a question wrong, they would actually up the, yeah. the shocker. And it got to a point where like there was actually a red like lethal yeah. shock. And basically what they were testing was to see at what point the participant who was in charge of administering the shock would stop. Yeah. Because the person who is of authority, who's standing mm-hmm. there in the lab coat with the checkboard, is telling them, no, keep going. Mm-hmm. No, keep going. No, keep going. And so at what point do you, of your own volition, decide, no, I am going to reject the authority figure? Yes. And yeah, and so it's so interesting. And in this case, Parker is in fact Spider's George. <laughs> she is an outlier and should not be counted. In this instance, Parker seems like a psychopath. Yeah. <laughs> and I love that for her. Mm-hmm. I do. I love that for her. But yeah, so the ethics of this are obviously wildly distorted. Like, mm-hmm. there is no no world in which, especially post-Stanford prison experiment, there is no world in which this passes any kind of ethical considerations. No. Whatsoever. And that's the key thing. Like, mm. obviously, there's 
some sort of rules or power that he holds or that he has people in positions of power that hold that are allowing him to do this experiment. But even then, he's still manipulating what... Because, you know, on paper, it's a study about, oh, how do we cure sleep irregularities in people who suffer from PTSD? Because it is, you know, increasingly an issue and of concern. And I think this episode really is really, really good in the way that it points out that there are higher levels of PTSD in the homeless mm-hmm. and in veterans. And and those two populations often have overlap. Often have overlap. Um, and also the way they have, like one of the characters, one of the friends Elliot makes in the homeless shelter say, you know, I swore like allegiance to the American government. Mm-hmm. Shame it only went one way. Like Yeah, and I really appreciated Elliot saying back, if this country was known for keeping its promises, we wouldn't need Marines. Mm-hmm. And then the other guy just fucking laughs. And I was like, God, this is bleak, isn't it? But actually you raise a point that I wanted to mention as well, which is that while these participants have consented, and I do say that in like the fucking There's barest, a difference between consent and informed consent. Yeah. Like Sure, they signed the paperwork, but they weren't actually consenting to what was actually going to happen to them. They were consenting to an entirely different scenario. Mm -hmm. The other thing is that I would argue that their consent is questionable just based on the fact that they are from a targeted population that is Mm -hmm. intentionally vulnerable. Yes. Because the thing is about the sleep study I mentioned earlier, the ads for that are just posted on notice boards or on the back Mm -hmm. of toilet doors around the uni, and it's basically targeting any students or faculty who have an interest in participating. You might be targeting like a age demographic or you might be targeting like a lot of the time it'll specify that you can't have any pre-existing health conditions or mm-hmm. anything like that. But generally speaking, you are targeting a broad spectrum of people, like just the population of a university campus, mm-hmm. you know, and yes, that'll be skewed towards a certain demographic, but like it's much less specific than everyone from this particular homeless shelter. And also that is a vulnerable community that you are mm-hmm. deliberately targeting and you are doing it with the promise of food and shelter and, you know, money, but on the condition that they don't walk out, which yes. becomes coercion. And it just, the fact that it is a vulnerable community that they are targeting makes that coercion even more disgraceful, in my yes. opinion. They're a vulnerable population because they are homeless. So, like, what someone will do for a dollar can vary wildly depending on where they are in their life mm. and what's happening in their, you know, life at large. Oh, one other thing about that, you can't assume your participants are literate. Mm-hmm. Like that was, that's actually like a huge thing <laughs> because if you recruit someone to fill out a survey and they have very poor literacy mm-hmm. skills, you're fucked. Oh, the methodology of this experiment is like wildly, like, and again, that boils down to the fact that this experiment is not meant to be something that is publishable essentially mm. like they can cannot... actually very against their best interest to publish it like... the idea of this study is they're not doing this study so that they ha- can publish their research which is what the aim of a psychological study normally is mm. it's to either get more evidence to support something mm-hmm. or to get evidence to disprove something and then publish that research so that people can then read the methodology read what happened read the results and make their own conclusion based on the statistics um, and the statistical change between experimental conditions. Yeah, or use it to inform the next experiment they mm-hmm. might want to conduct to focus on a different aspect or yes. something. Yeah. Something like this is very clearly like this is being done because he's a member of this secret society mm. who is heavily associated with 
organizations like the CIA, mm-hmm. aka organizations were having procedures in place that have been tested of potential ways to break people without physical violence mm. oh, also, is very useful. Just another quick note. There's a point where they say something about, like, the whole thing is run by undergrads. Mm. That is ridiculous. Like, I'm sorry. I don't care if you're working with the CIA. No fucking university is greenlighting any kind of fucking social, like, any kind of fucking experiment, particularly on mass, without some kind of head of faculty being involved. There's some like, sort of advisor. There's somebody that's literally, looking it over and you're showing them your plans for the study. They're making sure you're not doing anything unethical. You, you literally also, have to go through an ethics committee. I was you, about to say, you literally, before you're allowed to run, and maybe maybe the laws are different in America, maybe oh, the procedures maybe, are different in America. But, fuck. but in Australia, if you want to run a psychological study. Or any study. Or any study, really. But any study where you're with people, essentially. If you're working animals. with people or animals, any sort of living beings. Like, if you're running a chemistry experiment, it doesn't really matter. You're mixing chemicals. And you'll have an advisor there to make sure you don't, you know. I mean, but this isn't the kind of experiment. We're specifically yeah. talking about you've recruited participants. If you've recruited participants... You need to have an ethics committee greenlight your study and your methodology. Mm-hmm. And it gets reviewed. Yes. <laughs> like, the, the lax fucking standards of this university. Mm-hmm. I, like, I have to assume that they don't know this is happening. But no one is being secretive about it. Like, also, they keep saying it's a secret society. Nothing about this is secret. They're no. doing it in the broad daylight. That man died in the living room of a fucking frat party, I assume. Although I'm confused by that also because these seem very fancy. And I... So the idea is that the experiment was previously run in, like, off-site. It was, no, it was mm. not run at the college. It was run at... Like a facility. It was the, like a their facility, their farm, which is, like, where they have the party and that sort of stuff. So that's where they throw parties. And they had, like, a basement, basically. That they were using there. So basically what happened is he manages to get out of his cell, essentially, and he climbs up the stairs where they're having a party and he dies from a heart attack. Because, again, they are severely, purposefully trying to trigger his PTSD, essentially. And sleep depriving him. Mm -hmm. It's just so... Like, there are so many stupid things about this, like, concept. Don't get me wrong. I really like the episode. Mm -hmm. But, like, the scientific method of it was driving me crazy and like purely because like there are so many levels at which this makes zero sense and like i, I get know. it the message is people with money and power get away with a lot of things yeah i get it's it. just the message and, of leverage and i i really do i really like this episode i really enjoyed this episode yeah. but there are there are a couple of things that i'm like mm, i'm not buying that i just it's just honestly and it's actually not even this sort of stuff because i'm like oh well they're just you know, rich and powerful and they're covering the tracks. But, like. but this is the thing for me. Like, if it was a private organization, yeah. I would understand them being to, like, buy their way out of it. Mm-hmm. But it's a university. But the the implication is that sort of everyone on the board and that is, you know, like, it's an open secret. It's like... That just seems so unlikely to me. Like, everyone, I get it in fiction. Yeah. I get it. But also, like, that. It's that whole thing where it's, like, the number of people required to keep a secret mm. and then, like, by the time you get over a certain number of people, yeah. it's, like, oh, X many days until it And, like, the thing, the, the key thing is, though, Zilgrim doesn't get away with Shable's death. He gets arrested for Shable's death and then Mr. Conrad descends down, gets the case shut and sealed with a federal order. Yeah, I... 
I don't know. So, like, man. here's the thing: people know, you know, like they all know what happened. They know something happened. They just can't prove it because they are not allowed to look into it. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I feel like someone somewhere has to be trying to whistleblow on this mm. more than is being shown. And like, I get it; it's fiction. You know? Yeah. Beliefs what I suspended. will say though, the the one thing about this episode that always confuses me that I cannot believe. Mm. Is the fact that they get Elliot's fingerprint off that fucking taser. Yeah, I didn't even realise he grabbed the taser. I thought he'd grab the dude who was holding the taser. Because grabbing the taser seems like a bad idea. Like, he he does grab kind of half the dude, half the taser. Like, there is a, yeah. there is the chance that his fingerprint did get on there. But this dude has just been carrying around this taser yeah. for the last, like, what, day and a half? He's had it in his pocket. Plus, it's not obviously just Elliot's fingerprint on there. Like, he had his whole fucking hand wrapped like, around it. Like... Yeah. You're really telling me that there's still a clean enough fingerprint of Elliot's on there after like 24, 48 hours mm-hmm. since Elliot grabbed it that you were able to get a print and work out who he was? Like, Debatable. I get it. Plot, plot, plot. Like, we have to. But, like, surely there's something else that he touched. Surely you can find literally anything else that would not. The edge of his cot. Yeah. Like, when he's being interrogated, like, just send someone in with a fucking, like, you know, chalk and a. Yeah brush thingy and some tape yeah i'm sure you'd be able to fucking find a cleaner fingerprint there but yeah no i think that the whole experiment obviously is just fucked up Mm -hmm. i don't think like we just spent a whole lot of time on it we really didn't have to i think we can sum it up by just being like yeah that shit's fucked (laughs) that shit's fucked that shit's fucked i do want to say that elliot in this episode Sorry, I didn't get to my second unbelievable oh. point. Can I? Yes, absolutely. Okay. My second unbelievable point that I just do not believe is I, in my four years of university, never had a substitute teacher. Like, I never had a substitute professor. Like, not showing up as, like, the substitute, I just don't believe. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. Because now I'm thinking about it, I don't think I ever have either. The, if the, the teacher's sick, you just don't, don't have class. The closest I've come is in my most recent semester... The closest I've come is that one time the post-grad student who was teaching, like, running my tutorials, actually got a paid job outside of the university. Mm -hmm. And so the course coordinator for that topic took over the last half of the semester's classes. Mm -hmm. And that's, like, the closest I've come to having, like, a relief teacher. We had a pre-scheduled, like, guest lecture. Yeah, and that's different. That's different, you know, but... That yeah, that's the only other thing that I'm like, no, absolutely not. But also, he was teaching them in a motherfucking library. What? I believe that sometimes, like, at least my courses, sometimes they were like, oh, we need a different, like, we need a different setting. Sure, but like, why a public space where people would be trying to study and shit? Like, people have things to do in the library. I don't know why you would go there. Like, did you not have separate library zones? I mean, yeah, but none of them are reserved for teaching. We never did one in the library, but we did do one outside one day. That's different. Outside isn't a study space. Outside is a study space. Not like a library is. I'm not, like, if if I'm outside and someone comes up and is, like, running some kind of class, I'd be like, okay, fair enough. Class can be outside sometimes, depending on. But, like, in the library, that's, like, a specific study zone. Why the fuck would you interrupt people who are in the library? And also people have jobs in the library, like librarians, for example. Like you're just getting in their way. What if they're trying to shelve books and there's a fucking class happening? That's just dumb. Anyway, we need to talk about the Elliot of it all. Because it is, by virtue of the episode, an Elliot episode. Like there is no ifs, ands, or buts about that. They are 
really looking at Elliot and Elliot as a character this week. Did you have any specific thoughts about Elliot that you'd like to start with? Or Sure. It was weird seeing him in a hat. Normally we reserve that for Nate. Mm-hmm. Obviously, this is not my only thought no. on Elliot. But <laughs> I mean, I wasn't thinking that was your only... No, that's it. In the Elliot Tortures People episode. Or the Elliot Gets Tortured episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you know what is really interesting, though? Is that the angle that the, like, interrogator takes is basically insinuating... Or actually, not even insinuating. He's point blank saying to Elliot... You think you deserve to be here. This is a self-punishment for you. Like, you're tolerating this because you think that you deserve it based on your past transgressions. And yeah, it's deem-coded. But I'm actually going to say it's more cast for reasons you haven't got to yet. But this is actually so on point cast coding. I cannot explain to you how on point, like, on the nose this is. And, like, so it is really interesting to watch, like... Elliot as a character, because fundamentally he is a different character to both cast and Yes, Jane. but no. it's, but it's very fascinating to see the same sort of thematics and situations being put on him. Like, I find it intriguing. This is this is what I was saying before. Like, this is what I wanted out of the carnival job. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're gonna do an Elliot central episode, make it fucking interesting. Like, mm-hmm. tell me something about his character because what I've learned about his character in this episode is more than I learned from any fucking part of. Like, I, I learned more about Elliot's character in one interrogation session than I got mm. from the entirety of the carnival job. Which, what a fucking interrogation session. Literally all of them are insane. Like, they keep progressing in such an interesting way because the CIA guy realizes that Elliot is not the, normal the average sort of... participant. Yeah. And so he's having to be much more clever, I suppose, yeah. about how he's approaching the scenario. Like... And, oh, my God, when Elliot said to him, your first mistake was telling, promising not to hurt me. Yeah. Because now nothing you say means anything. And I was like, yeah, actually. And then the guy starts, like, yelling at him, like, if you don't tell me, I'm going to rip it out of you. And Elliot's just sitting there. And I was like, I'm going to be real. If I was Elliot, I would have started laughing at this man. Yeah. You've just told me. You've just promised me you will not physically harm me. And then your first thing is to threaten with me with physical violence. Like, bro, you, I... I literally was like, yeah, Elliot wins this one. And then This when, man's just kind of bad at his job. Literally. And then Elliot's like, oh, okay, so I guess it starts tomorrow then. Which like, fucking oh, roasted. Iconic. I loved it. I loved it. Like, it's so rare that we get to be like, mm, yeah, no, actually, that's just Elliot roasting the hell out of someone. But, like, that moment where he's like, I guess we start tomorrow then. Mm-hmm. And when the guy tries to fucking get under Elliot's skin by being like, does it make you uncomfortable thinking about the people you've killed? And Elliot's like, what would you like to know? Their eye colour? What their breath smelled like? Which ones deserve it? Which ones didn't? And I was like, oh my God. And like, I could feel the fucking tension leeching out of the scene. And like, it's so interesting because we as the audience, we talked about this a lot when we were covering Moreau. Mm -hmm. We actually know very, very little about Elliot. Mm -hmm. And so it is fucking fascinating to get this insight into his psyche and this insight into the way that he processes his experiences and the way that he compartmentalizes it because he was saying like i have no i've never counted i don't have to count i will never forget anyone yeah who was on my like hit list essentially and like that is so interesting because it I think we've talked about before, like, as a 
as a professional man, he needs to be able to have a certain level of separation from his work. And we talked about this specifically in the long way down job with Parker. Like the two of them are able to sort of separate themselves, I guess is the only real way to put it. So that they are not so emotionally invested in each situation because they can't be because it's too much Mm -hmm. for different reasons, but you know, same outcome. And so it's interesting that we get this insight here for Elliot, which is like as much as he tries to remove himself because he has to, he can't not entirely like it is always going to sit with him a bit and like, it makes a lot of sense, Mm -hmm. but it's also just fascinating to get that sort of insight when previously that's not what we've gotten from him. It's also just like, it's the sort of thing that like we've always, like you kind of know at a base level, you kind of know that Elliot has done, has done things that are not good. You kind of know that he has murdered people before, but this is the first time we actually get like a very explicit confirmation because even when he's confronted by Moreau, he says, I did the worst things I've ever done in my life for Moreau. Mm. I mean, he never actually says I killed people for Moreau. Like it's heavily implied, but this is the first time it's actually like said it out fully loud. vocalized. Yeah. I think the other interesting thing is that when we've had him talk about it before, it has always been around the team. This is different because he knows that this guy is CIA mm-hmm. and he is, he knows what he's doing to put him off. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's interesting hearing the way that Elliot is presenting this experience to someone who is not the team and to mm-hmm. someone that he is trying to throw off as well, because I think that might be part of it. Like as much as I just said, like it's mm-hmm. interesting to see that there's this part of him that can't separate himself. It could also be a performance. And I don't think that it's fair to discount that entirely because Elliot is still running a con in this moment. Like he is being actively tortured, but he is conning them at the same time and i think that there is a significant possibility that this is part of that con because Mm -hmm. his goal is to make that other dude as uncomfortable as possible and he does that very effectively you know and so i think that's also something to take into consideration as much as it is him revealing something about himself because i think what he says is ultimately true Mm. i think he's also framing it in a way that is purposefully designed yes oh yeah it's similar to dean making jokes to like flip the table and make the other person feel uncomfortable. Like it's <laughs> exactly it's <laughs> it's exactly the same sort of tactic. It's mm-hmm. just in a different sort of facet. Um, one other thing that I really really enjoyed about like the interrogation moment specifically was number one when the guy says like oh aren't you thirsty and Elliot goes yeah I am but like he's too smart like he knows exactly what they're trying to do. And he's like, yeah, I'm thirsty, but I'm not stupid. But that last part goes unsaid. Like, he's yeah. looking at the guy like, of course I'm fucking thirsty, but I'm not a dumbass. You know? And I also love... Try to be less obvious next fucking time. <laughs> Literally. And the other thing that I love was when Elliot is like, right. And like, he fully is like, game's over. Time to get real. And he says, I've got four minutes to prove your theory wrong. And the guy's like, what theory? And he's like, the torture doesn't work. And I was like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. This is about to get real now. And then it, you know, like, shit hits the fan. But I loved that moment for Elliot. Like, because he knows more. (laughs) Yeah. Like, he's literally pulling rank. Yes. In this moment. And he makes the point as well, like, it depends on the torture and it depends on the man. Mm -hmm. And I think that he's 
Correct. Yeah. Ultimately, what some person will cave for is very different to what somebody else will cave for. Yeah. Some people will be way more tolerant to levels of physical pain than (laughs) psychological and vice versa. Like, it really does depend on so many circumstantial, situational, (laughs) you know. And I think the yes. other thing is, even if they had physically tortured Elliot, he wouldn't have given anything up. Like, yeah, I that, think that that's reacts good... to being shot. Like, he's just stubbed his toe. Not even. Yeah. I'm more dramatic about stubbing my toe than he is about being shot in the shoulder. Mm-hmm. Like, like <laughs> he's different. That's the other thing that kind of goes on set. It's like, okay, well, you're not going to physically torture me. That was your best shot. And even then, it wasn't a very good shot. Mm. What, what do you expect from me? Like, you're not... Like, yeah. what I've been through, what I've seen, what I've done, you threatening, like, you abusing me and, like, depriving me of sleep is nothing. Mm-hmm. This is Elliot canonically sleeps for 90 minutes a night, Spencer. Like, this is Elliot weird flashback of, like, the flames. Like, he's fine. But, yeah, it is it is wild to me. What is whack, though, is, like, obviously they keep sort of flashing back between what Elliot's going through and what Hardison is going through and like comparative like because Hardison is also being tortured in a sense obviously not in the same way mm-hmm. but like I do think it's interesting that they're comparing the pair <laughs> like that makeup compare the pair compare the pair but what is whack about Hardison's situation is that I don't know why anyone would willingly go through that mm. like I don't know like we don't really have frats and yeah. shit here like that's not a that's not part of the YouTube experience yeah it has always confused me. I don't know why the fuck you would do it. Like, it seems culty to me and also just unnecessarily unpleasant and I would simply just not. Like, I don't... If we have someone listening in America who has, like, other insight and can tell us why the fuck anyone would voluntarily sign up to get hazed like mm-hmm. that... I think because- the idea is, though, like, if you can get into, like, a fraternity... I want to be clear here, like, most of the time fraternities is normally, like, you're wanting to make friends. Like, you're going into them to find a community. But I think the appeal of this one in specific is that it has a lot of really powerful ex-members. And if you can leverage their power, you can get a step ahead in life. I mean, I guess. But it just doesn't seem... Maybe this is just me. I think it's just a you thing. Like, personally... I would never join a sorority or a frat, but some of the appeal of them is like, you know, if you want to be, say, you want to be a psychologist, right? And you join a frat or a sorority that has connections with a lot of really well-known, really famous psychologists. And then because you're part of that sorority or fraternity, you have more opportunities because they can then vouch for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, well, And that's I'm how just, it typically it's, works. It's just networking. But you can do that without having to strip down to your underwear and run through a public space. Like, do you know what I mean? You can just network. And the I get the camera operators this week were really like, let's just give them a dozen shots of half-naked Aldous Hodge. Yeah. I, here's, I think, what it comes down to for me is I don't know why anyone would want to be associated with a group that does that to people. Like, I don't care, like, the benefits of getting in or whatever the fuck. Like, why would you want to get in? It's clearly not a good group of people. Like, regardless of what fucking connections they've got. That's like assuming that anyone in a a position of power or in a high state for whatever topic of whatever the fuck discipline Mm -hmm. is a good ethical person. And, like, I would rather do my own fucking networking mm-hmm. and know that the people I'm associating with are actually respectable mm-hmm. than like 
go through this rigorous fucking hazing bullshit and then be expected to put other people through that Mm -hmm. for the sake of the same thing. Like, it's a bonding experience. I just think it's dumb. And you wouldn't be wrong. (laughs) I want to make this clear here. I also think it's dumb. But I also do see the appeal of people wanting to do drone fraternities like this. And I also think... I also think it's dramatised with television. That, yeah. A lot of the time, it's nowhere near this dramatic. Like, it just seems unnecessary. Oh, I do like there is a moment right at the start of the episode. And I'm just bringing it back to something lighthearted because we got really intense there for a minute. Um, but basically, we have the moment where they're like, oh, you've got to go quail hunting. And like, Hardison's like, what the fuck do you mean? And they explain it to him. But before they explain it to him, there's this moment where, like, you know, Nate's like, have you ever been quail hunting, Hardison? And Hardison's like, why the fuck would I have been quail hunting? And so Elliot cuts in. Have you ever played a video game where you (laughs) went quail hunting? The way he's just like, I'm just going to undermine this man real quick. Iconic. Yeah, no, I fucking love it. I also, oh, in that moment... I love that Parker knows exactly what Nate is talking about. Mm. And also Hardison being like, that's seriously messed up. Why would you know that? But also Nate being like, so birds don't like getting shot. And I'm like, wow, I'm... wild take, Nate. And he even says they understandably <laughs> don't like being shot. Yeah. Also in that scene, Parker is dressed like Avril Lavigne. Mm-hmm. And I don't Her know Her looks why. this episode are iconic. <laughs> Thank you, Nate and haters. It is our daily thank you to Nadine Haters. She really does the most for this show. Oh, okay. I do have one qualm with Nadine Haters though this episode. Yeah. She dressed Nate in sunglasses and then they made him look through binoculars. And that just <laughs> seems like he brought the binoculars down and he was wearing his sunglasses. And I was like, that's I will that's not hilarious. take I will not take Nadine Haters slander. I don't think costuming's at fault for that. I reckon that was props issue. <laughs> Or maybe even a specifically Timothy Hutton. Maybe the direction was like he was meant to take off the glasses and he refused. I don't know. But I do feel bad because Hardison was there squinting crazily yep. into the sun. Oh, one thing I loved about that scene was them talking about the womp womp. The womp And Hardison being like, how many could there possibly be? And Elliot's like, seven. Now tell me, what fucking womp womp was it? <laughs> oh, that's fun. Oh, I also loved Elliot trying to flirt his way through when they're trying to get access to those records. Yeah. And it works, but not in the way that he thought it would. (laughs) No, no, it doesn't work at all for him. He's, like, implying it. He's suggesting it. Mm. He's like, "Mm, what if I wanted to take you out for dinner? Blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. And the cop's like, I agree with what you're trying to do. I like the idea. (laughs) However, I am also gay. (laughs) So. (laughs) I love that she used it as a way to make a move on Sophie. Iconic. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Also, like, I just really liked her character this episode. I thought she was very fun. I like liked A-cab, when, but also. I liked when she splashed the coffee on the wall and mm-hmm. she was like, it's perfect. Um, oh, I also liked her line where she said that politics trumps justice. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oof, that's too real. Just a smidge too real. Mm. Mm-hmm. I also just want to say, Sophie, this episode, my baby, she is so iconic. When they're like, mm, well, what if we just ring him? Oh my god, She's yes. really like, I'm just going to pick up a phone and call him. What if we just call Taylor up? <laughs> yeah, like, what if what if we just ring him? And then, A, they put her on hold, which is so fucking rude. <laughs> and then she, she takes the phone call. She's like, I'm the cop with a warrant with your name on it, mother. And mm. she goes to make a diehard reference. I know. And he hangs up before she has an opportunity. And I understand that that is because... They can't actually say motherfucker. They can't actually say motherfucker. 
in the episode. It does need to get past rating boards, etc. But I think it is so iconic that she makes a diehard reference. I just realised that this episode of television would have had to pass more ethics committees than the actual experiment (laughs) in the episode. Um, Also, I have a small qualm, which is people, and this isn't just with this episode, it's not even just with Leverage, it's just like media in general. When characters will go to another character and they'll be like, see you tomorrow, don't be late. And I'm like, where are you seeing them tomorrow? For what purpose? What time? How am I supposed to not be late when you didn't tell me what fucking time to get there? Do I just arrive at this undisclosed Mm. location at midnight and just wait until midnight the next day? Like, what? I... I want to say, normally I don't have an issue because normally it's like, oh no, there's been something pre-set up. But yeah, in this episode, he's literally like, oh, we're having a party. You should join us. He tosses him a coin, which he has not explained to Hardison. Like, we as the audience understand because we've had it explained to us. And Hardison knows. Well, Hardison knows because he's explained it. That's how the audience knows. But this fucker has not explained at any point, at least on screen, Mm -hmm. what is happening. He just gives Hardison this coin as if Hardison should know what the fuck it means. To be fair, though, that is a pledge token, which if you are at college, I'm assuming you'd probably know what that is. I mean, I guess. This like, is, I think this is a cultural difference thing. Okay, same like, as the frat thing. Like, same as the frat thing. Like, Australia doesn't really have frats, but, like, as far as I know... Pledges. As far as I know, a pledge token is a really common thing in terms of sororities. Like, it's not exclusive to this one specific sorority. Like, it is a generalised thing. I mean, that still doesn't explain the time thing, though. Yeah. Oh, even no, if no, no, could no, make no, the no. logic jump that, like, oh, okay, so we're going to the frat house. It's like, okay, but fucking when? <laughs> the, the pledge token makes sense. Nothing else about it does. Like, not getting a time and or place doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the pledge token does. I'm like, going to have some follow-up questions, please. Any... Any student would recognize what a pledge token was. You know, like, I would assume that... Theoretically, we're guessing. Yeah, most most college students would understand what a pledge token is. Like, in America. Because in America, it is massive. Like, the sorority and fraternity is massive. It just doesn't make any sense to me. It's a cultural thing. I get it. It's it's a a cultural cultural thing. thing. But it just... It confuses me. It's one of the many things about America that I'm like, but But why? why Like, it doesn't have to be like this. <laughs> Why would you choose to make it like that? I don't know, man. I don't know. To be fair, maybe I'm missing out on something. Who am I to say? I don't fucking know. But it seems whack. Okay, well, I actually think I'm all out of points. Like, I am... I, this episode, I really enjoy. I like it so much. I do forget... Like, there are, as, as I said, there are a couple of moments where I'm like, oh, that doesn't really seem to, like, be the most logical sort of... But, like, the, like, I still really enjoy the plot. I love what it says about Elliot's character. I like the characterization and the way that, like, he's, like, they're, like, oh, no, Hardison is compromised. He's, like, I'm just going to flip a table real quick. <laughs> like, and that shift from, you know, the one who's, quote, unquote, being tortured to the one doing the torturing. Yeah. Absolutely fascinating. And also when you consider the fact that, like, they've said it over and over again, like, Elliot is not that guy anymore. Like, Elliot has grown. Elliot has moved on. They've made this a very, a very consistent point that, you know, no matter what he used to do, he's no longer doing it. I think it's just interesting that, like, we've talked about Elliot and control a lot. I think it's interesting that at no point in any of those interview scenarios did the CIA guy have any control. No. Elliot was fully in control the entire time. If the CIA guy thought he was in control, it was only because Elliot wanted him to think that. 
And that in itself speaks volumes. Like, I also really love this episode. Like, I know that we've kind of shat on it a bit just in terms of, like, some stuff is just, like, that would never, ever fucking happen. It's this sort of thing, though, where the whole is more than the sum of its parts. Yeah. Well, what I was just going to say is that this is one of my favorite episodes that I've seen. Like, as much as we're, like, kind of giving it shit... We're only we're only conscious of it because it is directly tied to our lived experiences yes. and specifically to our areas of academic interest. Yes. Like, if I was done studying an arts degree, I wouldn't fucking give a shit about the fact that there seems to be no ethics committee. Like, because it's not something that I would have had to encounter in the same but way. But it's like I did four or five topics in my four-year university degree that were solely based on how can we do ethical studies? Yeah. How can we do ethical studies that are not biased, that will give us accurate results? How can we make sure that when we are running these studies, we are getting accurate results and we're not biasing them even in a subconscious way? Mm, To the best of your ability. Yeah. So, yeah, like if it wasn't for that stuff, then I think that we would probably have taken a much more like general audience approach being like, okay, they're running a shoddy psych experiment. Okay, next (laughs) point. Like... And the idea is that they're running a shoddy psych experiment and that is bad. Yeah. It is not framed as like, oh, well, maybe he just doesn't know what he's doing. Maybe he just doesn't realize the consequences of... No, no, no. no. It's very much like, oh, no, this dude is very purposefully running this dodgy as fucking shit. This guy likes feeling powerful and he's a piece of shit. And that's kind of the be all and end all. I think, Mm -hmm. like, that's why I think a lot of our discussion is kind of centered on the ethics of it all. Just because, like, that is what we have mm-hmm. knowledge in. But the actual production of this episode was really, really high. And the I think the writing was really strong. I think that, obviously, like, the issues that we drew on... Well, less issues and more just, like, topics of conversation because mm-hmm. it's fiction. Like, you know, I think that it's... I don't believe it, but that's okay. You don't have to believe everything you see. Like, Well, that's my point. It's fiction. Like, the audience is expected to suspend their, de- yeah. their belief to a certain level. So, like, when you're watching a TV show, the end of the deal is they entertain you and you suspend your disbelief for a little bit yeah. so that you can be entertained. And the thing is that, you know, if this had been a... I'm sure that in episodes where the focus has been on like what was that fucking episode with the pharmaceutical company and they had like the pictures of the drugs or whatever like i'm sure Mm -hmm. if we were chemistry students we would have had something to fucking say about that oh the double blind job yeah yeah again the double blinds like it's coming into science experiments and we could have talked more about the ethics there but we didn't because it was less relevant even the hot potato job yeah well even them we talking about gmos you know like it's just gonna be because this is what we have weirdly specific niche knowledge in (laughs) so i'm gonna share it (laughs) exactly but the actual episode itself, I loved. Like, yeah. it, depending... I don't know how much of my live reaction you're going to keep in, but I was having a fucking ball on this bitch. Mm-hmm. Like, it was funny. It was heart-wrenching. It was invest... Like, I was invested. Um, I hated the main guy like you're supposed to. Yeah. I was... And they immediately set him up to be hated by being weird and creepy towards women. I mean, yeah. That's... It's the ultimate... Like, it's their shortcut. They're like, how are you going to make this dude a villain? Mm. We're going to ref- get him to refer to someone as berserker tits, which is... <laughs> I didn't even pick up on that. Weird. Um, it's a choice because her last name is Berkowitz. Mm, yeah, mm. I didn't even note that. 
Um, but there was, you know, there was also fucking Parker with the bloody... I know you said it was because she was watching the elbow, but I don't believe that for a motherfucking second. She would not know what the fucking code was. She doesn't have x-ray vision, okay? But, like, you know, I'll let it slide. And I I actually loved Nate's whole fake professor bit. Like, yeah. he lacks all subtlety, but in this instance, I actually loved it. You know, like... And, like, maybe in America, like, substitute professors are a thing. Oh, I also hate after Hardison's kidnapped and he's lying on the table, how fucking casually the... That dude is just holding that gun mm-hmm. i was like that's i hate that you look like you're gonna drop it <laughs> it was horrible Keep and then going. you have parker come in with the stool chair well the wooden chair but yeah wooden chair, but anyway i have nothing else to add we should probably stop spiraling otherwise we will continue spiraling so if you're all done for the day how would you rate the experimental job out of five 4.5 4.5 no hesitation no question no. Lovely. Okay, perfect. The next episode is the office job. What do you think it's about? What I want it to be is I've never really watched The Office. I never mm. really got into it. I, I know people seem to love it. I It's not my kind of show. But I do love the format mm-hmm. of the, like, you know, little interviews off to the side and stuff. I yeah. think that's fun. That's what I would love. Okay. This to be, I would like it to be a conceptual episode where they do something like that. However, I think it's more likely going to be, like... I don't know, something baked into office culture. Mm-hmm. Like, it'll be... Like, similarly to what you've had them integrate into offices before. Yeah. I don't know what would set this office apart specifically, mm-hmm. but... Why this one's named after the office and none of the others have been. Yeah, which is why, like, it immediately makes me think of the show, The Office, and therefore mm-hmm. the format of, which I think would be fun, but I don't 100% know how you would do it with leverage because the point in The Office and, and shows like that and Parks and Rec, that kind of thing, is to break the fourth wall. Mm-hmm. And I feel like... And it's kind of like a mockumentary sort of style. Yeah, Leverage could potentially do that, but they would have to come up with a reason for the, them to be addressing a camera directly. Mm-hmm. So I, I like they could do it. I would and like, like we know how it. much the crew hates cameras. So <laughs> yeah, for fucking obvious reasons, mm-hmm. this episode is a great example. Um, but yeah, yeah, I would, uh, I would love to, to say right. something like that. Lovely. Perfect. We'll wait and see how correct or incorrect you are next week. And... If you want to find us at all, you can find us on various social media platforms. All of our links will be in our description box in the link tree below. Feel free to interact with us about literally anything, but suggested conversation topics do include... What have you studied at university? Yeah. <laughs> have you have you done any tertiary education? What did, what did you study? Did you like it? What's, what's the most niche fact that you really, like, walked away knowing from your university degree? Or literally, like, just special interest. Yeah. Like anything that you have a vested interest in that rarely gets to come up but you would mm-hmm. love to talk about, <laughs> let us know. I love hearing people's fun facts mm-hmm. about their special interests, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I also want to know, does, did this episode, like, because when I first watched this episode, it broke my brain a little bit about Elliot. Did you experience that as well your first time watching this one? Because I think Beth... Broke her a little bit. Yeah, I loved it, but I was like, like I said, I was still processing when we started this conversation, and honestly, I think I still am. And we'll probably pick some of it up again next week. Yeah, we didn't even touch on the fact that the CIA guy threatened Nate at the end. Like, yep. that seems pretty relevant. <laughs> Not gonna lie, spoiler alert, we never see him again. Are you fucking serious? It, it, I never want to hear shit about supernatural this, dropping plot points ever again. This is probably the <laughs> one of the most supernatural coded episodes ever. That is the most and egregious. <laughs> they're like, mm, yeah, no, this shadowy organization. Uh, gets the CIA. In, yeah, they're like, mm, we get the major sort of villain character from the CIA. So like, like, I'm on your, I'm you're on my radar now. We never see them again. That's the dumbest fucking shit I've ever heard. <laughs> I, it's literally unconnected to anything and I don't think it's 
like, I don't think it's a massive spoiler to say, but, I mean, maybe it will stop you from guessing it in the future, but, like, I mean, beyond that, like, I honestly, like, I kind of forget that this dude even exists. And I watch this episode, I'm like, oh, yeah, no, they fully just, like... He's like Adam. Yeah. Forget he fucking exists. They just forget, like, he fully knows about them now, and they, he just, yep, never comes back up. Never seems to be an issue. So dumb. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) <laughs> anyway, thank you so much for listening. Please have a lovely morning, evening, night, lunch, brunch, 4am, 2am, any time of the day and or night. Bye. Bye.